Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. I think everybody would agree, and we don't need much illustration to to say that we live in an anxious time, uh, both in our culture and in, in our own personal lives. And so tonight I wanted to ask the question, what, if anything, can we do to help us with our own anxiety? You're probably familiar that science has learned a lot about anxiety. If you're interested in kind of an overview of that, there's an excellent book by a guy named Scott Stossel called My Age of Anxiety. It shows all about what science has learned, uh, how it's related to genetics, how some people are more prone to anxiety than others, how medicine can help. Tonight I want to just ask the question, is there anything else we can do uh, about anxiety. And the Bible indicates that there is. In this letter to the Philippians, Paul says that prayer and thanksgiving can help us overcome our anxiety. Let's look at that. Don't be anxious about anything. Uh, The Greek word for anxious means uh, to be divided within, to be pulled apart inside, to have cares, divided and fracturing fracturing a person into parts. And it's one of those words, I forget the name for this, but in the Greek, I don't always pronounce it right, but it's muramnano, muramnano. It's it's one of those words that sounds like what you're doing when you're anxious. And so it turned into a Greek word. And so... Anomatopoeia, is that it? Wow, I remembered something. That's great. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, if we want to work on our anxiety, it starts with this idea of everything. Uh, A lot of our anxiety has to do with the simple challenges of life. Not the big things, the small things. Uh, What will Thanksgiving be like with my brother-in-law? What is that spot on my shoulder? Uh, Is my child developing at an appropriate rate? A lot of times, somebody told me this recently, that they're kind of embarrassed to admit it, but they don't think God really cares about stuff this small. That they feel like he's kind of busy and they ought to save up until the big stuff to bother him. Kind of like a busy father. But what Paul says is, no, give him everything. 
So that's one of the ways that we begin to overcome our anxiety. You don't have to be having some huge crisis. It doesn't have to be something profound about the national debt or something like that. A lot of times our anxiety is just little simple stuff. And I'd encourage you to start, if you like to journal, if you like to write, however you do this, just if you're feeling some anxiety, just start, Dear God, I feel anxious about these things. Give him everything. Well, then he says, with prayer and supplication. There's several Greek words for prayer. This is the most common one, prosuke. It's a compound of pros and uke. The word pros means to face towards, and in the New Testament often denotes a sense of closeness. In John 1.1, the Godhead is described as facing towards one another with this Greek word. Uh, One commentator translated face to face. And so the idea of this word is an intimate, close, upfront contact with someone else. So you take that word and you add pray, which is the second part of the word to it, and you have turning to God in an intimate, personal way as if he were a trusted father or friend. And that's a very helpful step to take when we're anxious, when we're worried that we turn towards God in an intimate way just as he were a caring father. Now, most of us would know that uh, psychologists teach us that anxiety has a lot to do with our thinking. Uh, If we have negative thought patterns in our minds, it can lead to worry and anxiety. Uh, That's why the Bible tells us to take every thought captive. And these narratives get stuck in our heads. Sometimes we call them chattering monkeys. Um, I've I've come to call mine Bob. Um, I've gotten to know him pretty well. I can hear his voice now. And uh, when he's going at it, I let him go for a while. And then I say, Bob, thank you. That's enough. We're going to kind of move on now. So you can call him whatever you want. But this kind of goes it's like it's like going to the mall during Christmas this horrid Christmas music just non-stop since like September um, one way to overcome anxiety is to make that conscious turn from the murmurana narrative to an intimate sharing of your needs with God and I know that It sounds pretty simple, but I really think that is a big, big step in overcoming anxiety, is to actually stop for a moment, sit down, or walk, or however you do it, and intentionally say, God, you know, I really am anxious about Thanksgiving. I really can't afford to go see the dentist, and I'm I'm worried about that. I was talking with Hannah Martin earlier tonight about what she's learning about neuroplasticity, uh, brain science, and one of the things, of course, they've developed all this technology to monitor brain waves and what's actually happening in the brain, and they've actually done research that, that shows something that people didn't know before, is that our brains, all the way to the end of our lives, can rewire the way that they function and the patterns that, that, that they follow. And so it's reaffirming a biblical truth 
if you change the way you think, if you move from a negative narrative to more of a trusting, dependent, thankful narrative, you will actually start to rewire your brain. And over time, that will help you experience more peace. The second word is supplication. And that means let God know about an urgent need, something you lack and cannot provide for yourself. It has a sense of urgency about it. And so this is uh, where where you're in a situation that you just don't know how to solve. You don't have the resources to solve. It seems kind of hopeless. It seems kind of desperate. And, And this is where you are actually coming to a point of, God, I can't, I can't heal this relationship. God, I don't know what's going to happen when my tumor's at the lab. I don't know. God, I can't tell if this startup is going to make it. I just don't know. It's, we would call it surrender. It's being very explicit about, God, I want you to do this, and I have no way to make it happen. During Advent this year, we're, we're going to do a little series on letters from prison. And we're going to look at how biblical characters who faced hopeless circumstances found meaning and joy when there was no way out. Because a lot of life is like that. A lot of life is like that. Now there's also a communal dimension to this. These are plural words in the Greek. And so one of the things that's happening here too is that when you're anxious, is there someone you can trust that you can go to and you can say, I am really wrestling with this. Would you pray about it with me? And that requires a level of vulnerability and safety. I'm not saying put it on Facebook, but there might be one or two people that you could share that with. Commercial. Next week, we're having this uh, Christ the King potluck. Uh, One of the things you're probably noticing is that we've tried to build our social calendar around the church calendar. And so when the church has festivals... We try to have potlucks. Um, And one of the reasons, here's why. I'm going to announce that at the end of the night. I don't want you to say, I don't really want to go because I'm not really interested in that. And that doesn't meet my need. Okay, this is not Netflix, folks. I want you to come so that you can meet one new person and care for them. That's why we do socials. Not because you need something else to do. Now, why is that important? Because in our isolated, lonely Instagram world, how do I get to the point where I know someone well enough to say, I am anxious about Thanksgiving? It starts with eating too many carbs at a potluck. That's why we do it. Okay? That's why we do it. And we're supposed to do all of this with thanksgiving. Now, what's the relationship of being thankful to being anxious? Well, again, it is a way of of rebooting the hard drive, of reframing the negative narrative, and it literally changes your brain chemistry. I've read many studies on this. If you can stop, slow down, pull back, and practice gratitude when you are anxious, It will rewire your brain and change your brain chemistry. And the more you practice it, the more that will be your experience. 
Now, I, I do want to say just one little thing, and I, and I know most of you are aware of this. When I read the book by Scott Stossel, My Age of Anxiety, uh, I learned a lot. One thing really made me angry. It is just so unfair of our world. And you know what I'm going to say. Some people come out of the womb with a genetic predisposition towards anxiety. And you can't help it. It's like having blue eyes. It's, I mean, they've actually identified the DNA, the genetic code. You, you can't help it. And I, I've got a bit of that in me. And I find myself comparing myself to people who don't struggle with it and beating myself up because if I were more spiritual, I would be as peaceful as they are. Now, some of that is true. But some of us were born with more of a predisposition to anxiety than others. So if you struggle with anxiety, don't beat yourself up. We all have different makeups. Two stories as we kind of wrap up here about being thankful in the midst of an anxious time. Um, yesterday I was, uh, I guess it was yesterday, uh, we went and we helped at CARM and a bunch of us came and we took turkeys over to OBC, a church that we do a lot of work with, Overcoming Believers Church. Um, thank you, Jane and Danny and others that put all that together. It was a lot of fun. Uh, when I got there, I was a little confused. I went to the lady at the table. I said, we're here with OBC. And she goes, Overwhelming Believers Church? Uh, I said, well, I guess. Yeah, that'll work. Um, so I picked up my friend, uh, my friend DJ. And uh, DJ is uh, uh, an eighth grader at, at uh, Vine now. And we've been walking together for five years. And he had a fire in his house. And put all eight, actually there were about 12 of them at that point, put them all out on the street for reasons I don't understand. He was not able to get back in. So they lived in a hotel. Um, now they are uh, living in um, his grandmother's house. And I dropped them off after the football game last week, and I thought, oh, that's, that's cool. It's about the same size. Yesterday I took him home, and he didn't go in the front door. And I said, why aren't you going in the front door? He said, oh, that's not where we stay. I said, what do you mean it's not where you stay? He took me around back. They stay in an attic that's about 800 square feet, one bedroom with eight, with eight people. And they can't get housing vouchers to move anywhere. So if some of you have resources and you like property and owning things, a great ministry would be to buy a house and put it on the market where people who get housing vouchers could actually uh, do it. Um, so that's, now we're way off into commercials. But so, so I had something I wanted to do with Brittany's mom yesterday. And uh, we'd set something up, and I couldn't get a hold of her all morning. I uh, went by twice, called her back, called her back. I wasn't able to get her. I was, you know, I was kind of a little frustrated. And so finally she texted me back. And um, she said, um, I'm sorry, uh, my phone was down. My husband and I are making 60 dinners for the YWCA homeless event tonight. It's our way of giving back because we're so thankful. Eight kids, or eight people, one room. And I was with her this afternoon for a little bit. 
She's at peace. That's what Thanksgiving can do. And again, if any of you have a burden to serve the vulnerable by purchasing homes and putting them on the voucher market, gentrification is a great thing in a lot of ways, but it's jacked the prices way up. And the people that get hurt are DJ's family. So just think about that. Here's another example of of how Thanksgiving can help us with our anxiety. This is from a, a wonderful author named Parker Palmer. And he's just written a book on aging. And I just thought it was so beautiful to see how he wove Thanksgiving into anxiety. And here's just a couple words from it. I'm a professional melancholic. And for years, my delight in the autumn color show quickly morphed into sadness as I watched the beauty die. Focused on the browning of summer's green growth, I allowed the prospect of death to eclipse all that's life-giving about the fall and its sensuous delights. Then I began to understand a simple fact. All the falling that's going on out there is full of promise. Seeds are being planted. Leaves are being composted as earth prepares for yet another uprising of green. Today, as I weather the late autumn of my own life, I find nature a trustworthy guide. It's easy to fixate on everything that goes to the ground as time goes by. The disintegration of a relationship, the disappearance of good work well done, the diminishment of a sense of purpose and meaning. But as I've come to understand that life composts and seeds us as autumn does the earth, I've seen how possibility gets planted in us, even in the hardest of times. Looking back, I see how the job I lost pushed me to find work that was mine to do, how the road closed sign turned me toward terrain that I'm glad I traveled, how losses that felt irredeemable forced me to find new sources of meaning. In each of these experiences, it felt as though something was dying, and so it was. Yet deep down, amid all the falling, the seeds of new life are always being silently and lavishly sown. Perhaps death possesses a grace that we who fear dying, who find it ugly and even obscene, cannot see. How shall we understand nature's testimony that dying itself as devastating as we know it can be, contains the hope of a certain beauty. What a beautiful example of how being thankful can give us peace. When we start to practice this approach towards anxiety, praying, giving thanks, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Just two things to note there. It's the peace of God. In the Greek, it's two theo. It's a a kind of a construction that says the source of which it's coming from is that. So it's not peace that you generate up or you stir up or you uh, kind of well up. It's peace that comes from there. That's what's so beautiful about it. It's the peace of God. And it guards your hearts. And that's, that's a Greek word for sentinel. It's a word for someone guarding 
uh, a military complex protecting it. So when we begin to cultivate these practices of prayer and thanksgiving, God gives us peace and protects us from the threats that would take it away from us. So I want to end. We're just going to spend about 90 seconds practicing. And I'm going to lead you through a little prayer that applies this verse, okay? So first, go back to God again. Let him know that one thing you are most anxious about tonight. Just tell him what it is. Now confess to him what you need. Give him thanks. Receive his peace. Let that peace guard you all week. Amen.